Hello and welcome to Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of Future Fuzz, the digital marketing podcast. I'm delighted to welcome on to the show Sophie Vo. Hi Sophie, how are you doing? Hi Justin. Uh, well, I feel great and uh, happy to be a guest. Like uh, you know, I'm also a podcast host, so it's always fun for me to be on the other side once in a while. Yeah, great. Yeah, that's very, very cool. What's your podcast called for the listeners to know? So it's called Rise and Play. I started it a year and a half ago. And although it's uh, mostly targeting an audience in gaming because I work in games, it's uh, touching on broader topics like leadership and what uh, I uh, call conscious leadership. So really having conscious practices about how we build teams, uh, how we build vision, why we build companies, uh, why we make games and how we can work better with healthier culture and environment. So that's all about this in my podcast. Fantastic. Great. Let's dive into Rise and Play because I've seen, I saw it on your profile and I've, I've seen you posting. I find it really interesting. What inspired you to start, um, Rise and Play? So I think. COVID has its upside as well. There were many, many downsides that I will not talk about here. But um, having spending a lot of time at home, I had quite some time to reflect on how I wanted to spend my time, my energy, and uh, who I wanted to work with. And I've been working in games for 13, 14 years now, and something that I've seen quite repeating in many organizations and not only in games, I'm sure in tech it's the same. Uh, companies are starting a lot out of passion with uh, founders who are focused on games, the creative part, then growing, maturing, and then crash happens because uh, it's a different stage when you, uh, you grow from a project, a game, to a company, an organization. And a lot of things were overlooked into how do you grow sustainably an organization? How do you have people with their personal motivation aligned with the mission of your organization? What are the values of your organization, the purpose? Uh, I think those topics we've talked more about uh, in the recent years. And it's it's been a big gap in gaming. And I tried for many years um, to influence it in my position coming from uh, product lead position or project manager. And I understood it is really hard to change a culture or leadership uh, bottom-up. And it starts from the leadership. It starts from the leader, from the founders. What's the vision of your company and why do you exist? So understanding uh, when uh, I was working at Voodoo that my uh, reach will be limited trying to change things in my organization, I decided to go beyond and create my own platform independently to express about those topics, about how can we build a healthier culture, uh, great teams, um, align, you know, motivations of people that drive their energy uh, and thrive at work, work with passion. And this created a whole conversation in the community that developed Rise and Play to the podcast. I developed a masterclass online to really have a conversation around uh, conscious leadership practices that I'm happy to elaborate, but that's how it started, where I realized uh, the reach could be go beyond an organization. And um, I don't need to wait to be the CEO of a company to start to make a change. So it was a test and it responded really well. And a lot of leaders contacted me and say, we need this. We need to have more of this conversation. 
I will help you in your mission. And that's how we created this whole community of podcast guests sharing their personal story and their leadership practices. It's really interesting, the gaming industry and mobile, isn't it, right? Because like you said, you can focus on building a game. And then we've seen in history that many uh, groups have made games that have become then hugely popular. And then companies all sort of build around that. Um, and then we see they grow also incredibly fast, right? They're almost on steroids, some of them. Yes. And they face their challenges. Have you, have you seen that as well? In most of my organizations, so I've joined... So I was working at Gameloft, uh, Wooga and Rovio, and I joined them in pretty, um, I would say not mature stage, but growing stage. So it was super exciting, a lot of challenges, uh, things uh, to uh, establish, teams to structure. And uh, the reality I've seen as well, at some point when you are focused so much on the game, but not so much on the organization, you start to become really slow. Everything uh, takes time. Uh, you're losing people, so you have to make sure you still have people to uh, execute your games, produce things. You have to uh, re-onboard, retrain. So the thing I realized actually is like, while we are focusing too much on the wrong things, because it's quite costly, uh, not only monetarily, but also in terms of energy and focus to hire and offboard people and rehire people. And that's the limit I saw in most of a growing organization, the departure of talents and then uh, executing really fast without sitting down a little bit to say, okay, what's our current mission? Are we still aligned with our values or do we need to evolve as an organization? And I think we're still a young industry in that sense where, you know, we, we grow, uh, we like we go on steroids, like you say, we rush and then we crash, some of us, uh, until, you know, the game is not sustainable. So I've seen this multiple times and that's why I wanted to talk more about it because I've seen this story repeating uh, quite often through my journey in different organizations. So you must be quite busy at the moment then. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of uh, leaders who are, are, have things to say and they, they, they had the same observation. So like I said, at first I felt quite lonely with my observation, but by uh, going public and being expressing about it, I realized, no, I'm not alone. We are several ones to uh, want to uh, be part of a change who observe those things, but we haven't uh, aligned or agreed on, on those conversations. And I think that created a movement and gave more visibility. Oh, you need to have a culture as an organization. You need to have at least a mission statement, a purpose defined, because otherwise you just working around a project, making a game. And when the game doesn't exist, why are you here? You know, and that's how uh, team um, get dissolved. They don't really have a reason to exist except the game they were working on. It's not yeah. a very strong motivation long-term. It's and fascinating. We know, yeah, yeah. We, we know it stops quickly, right? Games, they come and go. Market is changing, evolving. It's not a viable factor to just rely on a game. I think... I, you know, a lot of companies talk about like a lot of startups talk about pivoting. So they pivot, they pivot, they pivot to try and get to that momentum. And on, on average, some startups say that they will be pivoting three times and then they either, it, they either makes them or breaks them. Right. Game in the game world is so it's not the same, is it? Cause you can have an absolute rock star game and then the company will try and build many more games around it in the hope that they will be a success. And in many cases, it never really happens, right? You must have seen that before as well. 
Mm. Yeah. I think the main challenge with games is replicating the success. And we have to attribute it uh, to uh, a luck as well. Uh, like really, there's something that is time to market. And uh, the timing, there are some games that were successful at a perfect time when, uh, you know, the context of a competition, there was a gap. And it was either by luck or by intention. And when you try to replicate the success at the same scale, it's really hard. And I have examples of company like King, for example, uh, they they have, haven't managed to replicate their Candy Crush success. And it would be, I think, quite hard to do so 10 years after, which is a very uh, different context. Um, so what happens then for those companies that are uh, fine success in a game, the game becomes the company, basically. So King, I could say, for example, is a Candy Crush company and uh, you have other companies that have been just operating around a game. And pivoting, I would say these days, is kind of a norm until you find kind of a golden nugget. Uh, and there's a reality as well where it is hard to uh, build the same success, especially when you have a point of reference as a company. To, so I think here, this is what maybe makes it difficult for teams. You can have a good game uh, or even a great game, but that's still not enough if it's not reaching the 10x growth or the next unicorn, right? And that's that's the challenge for especially creative. Uh, we look at Supercell model as well. They are aiming really high. The bar is really high. And even a game that could be great, that a lot of other game companies would be happy to take, but Supercell is not there and it, it can be quite discouraging over time. So it, it's also a mental uh, strain, I would say, to work in games, um, have something good in your hands, but understand the business and let it go. Hey, we hope you are enjoying this podcast. If there is subjects you would like discussed or questions answered, drop us a line at info at Future Fuzz, your guide to digital marketing. Sophie, you mentioned that you work with leaders in companies to become, um, let's say, more conscious leaders, to become better leaders and build better teams. Are there any sort of really key pieces of, of advice that you would give on how to, you know, start building a stronger cu culture? So I was writing also about it and I get a lot of inspiration as well from uh, uh, Simon Sinek with a star with why. So basically what I meant by when I say consciousness is consciousness has many levels, like to be quite aware of why you are doing things. And I think first is uh, having the conversation with yourself, why you're building this company or why you are into this venture or mission, because uh, there will be a lot of hurdles, a lot of low points. We have no all experienced this and where you would be very tempted to quit or maybe to compromise on your own values sometimes. And if you don't have the clarity why you wake up every day or why you will go through the hurdle, then you start to make very inconsistent actions, uh, behavior and decisions where no one actually wants to follow this or it, it, it's a, it has a multiplier damaging effect on an organization and people. That's what I've seen, like I said, repeating multiple times. So first I think it's the clarity with yourself. Why are you building this company? And the, there's no right or wrong answer. The right answer is yours, right? Some are because they want to cash out, have an exit, and with this money, they want to do something uh, with it. 
buy the house, uh, invest in other companies, whatever it is, but you have to be clear why you're doing it. And I would say beyond this clarity of why you're doing it, others want to make an impact on the world, create products and games that will have a long lasting impact on people. And that's also a very honor honorable purpose and mission. And whatever you frame, I think it's important and second step to uh, verbalize it and communicate it to others who decide to join your mission. Because some of them, they may not relate to your mission. So it's, again, to have the courage to say, well, I build this company where I want us to be rich, for example. I think this is kind of a less popular purpose, but I think it's uh, actually a good thing to be quite transparent about it. And uh, if we cash out as co-founders, we can... Uh, invest in other entrepreneurs as our dream projects or whatever. And that's a good goal, right? And then being transparent with people who are uh, deciding to join you. And from there, from the mission, then you also uh, clarify what are your values. So what is your ethos uh, in terms of work, uh, your interpersonal um, relationship, and how those values are serving your mission. That's how you build a culture to me. A culture is not, for example, you can build an organization with the same values, with a very different culture than another one based on the mission you have, right? So the culture, you build it based on really what kind of uh, behaviors, uh, values in the organization will help you execute the mission. And once you clarify all of that, it helps a lot to pick the right partners, co-founders, first employees, what you do, where are your priorities? It's, yeah. uh, it, it comes really down to that. And it's said maybe in a simple way, but uh, I, these days I'm, I'm uh, talking to um, a studio that I may join. And um, it's fascinating after several years we've been operating and it's been working okay. But you see as well, they are not, they haven't aligned yet, you know? And this is like, for me, this is the first thing I would address, but talking to so many studios and organizations because I'm a, an investor as well. It's still something not addressed. And I, I don't know what's the blocker. Maybe it's a human, you know, blocker. It's uncomfortable. You know, it's much easier to go on your computer and make a plan, uh, work on tasks rather than sitting and, you know, yeah. having conversation eye to eye and talk about the deep and hard things. Uh, it, I, I, I'm really, I'm wondering sometimes why, you know? <laughs> I think people do struggle to talk about the deep and hard things. I think also they don't see the value in it in the immediate effects. So they think, I better complete that project because it gives me immediate gratification. Yes. It gives me a success. However, if we sit in a meeting room or we have an offsite event and we work on it for a day, what am I getting from it immediately? We, we're too much focused on the instant gratification, especially entrepreneurs as well. They often... You know, I consider myself an entrepreneur. I never thought I'd ever say that, by the way, when I, when, you know, when I was a young lad starting in my career, but also entrepreneurs move, want to move very quickly. And that's a struggle because you can't move quickly on these things, can you? You've got to focus on it and, and make sure you have a clear vision. Like you say, you have a mission. And I love the way that you said that you can let maybe other people's individual missions fit in with the company um, mission as well, right? So you want the company to do well, but you also want to do well within that organization on an individual level. Yes. There's one thing I just want to um, actually bring up. There's some, um, uh, some advice I received from an agency advisor. So it's not necessarily to do with gaming, but the principle is, is on the same, uh, same level. So there's a recent survey amongst 
agency employees in the US. And the outcome of the survey was that people want more. Uh, they don't want more money or perks. They want more information, more interaction. They want to know what's going on on a micro and macro level in a business. What do you think about that statement? I think uh, this is why I'm fascinated <laughs> about the leadership uh, conversation because it's an endless uh, uh, craft because humans are evolving all the time, societies and expectations. So there's a shift in the expectations at work from employees. A lot of things have changed and I think pandemic uh, uh, amplified this even more. What is important for you, right? How do you spend your time? And uh, my understanding as uh, workers, as humans, as workers, employees, uh, it's not anymore like a factory job where you are paid, uh, you know, like work for hire, you are paid to for an output and then you get your money and then, you know, uh, log off uh, your brain for the day. So there are expectations that have changed where you want to thrive, you want to grow, you want to learn in the work, you want to connect with others. So it sounds almost like a relationship, you know, like all those expectations that are really hard to be met by just one entity. But those expectations are here. I'm not saying that they are right, but uh, it's a demand that is there. And how does it translate in those things like having more transparency, visibility on what's happening about the business, the finances? I have the same desires as well. I, I want to know what I'm dealing with and not find out the next week, okay, we are out of cash and uh, our office is closing. And it's still happening, by the way. But uh, why is it important? Because having the sense of autonomy and ownership is part of the expectations also of workers. Uh, people want to think and solve complex problems. They don't want to be told and just execute. And this is what also give, uh, gives fulfillment, right? Use your brain, use your qualities, your skills, your intelligence to think about a complex topic and with your own uh, perspective. And by giving information to all the levels of an organization, some organizations are structured this way. You give more chances for the best ideas, the solutions to emerge because it's not only the top uh, who have the knowledge, uh, the leadership who have the knowledge, who have the wisest, you know, solutions. Maybe people more on, on the field, like are really close to, I don't know, uh, consumers, users. They have other insights that they will make better decisions. So. I totally understand this direction and I think it's a missed opportunity strategically and business-wise when you are not sharing as an organization uh, as transparent as possible, uh, you know, the 360 of the business. Of course, not everything is to be shared, but I think like where the company is going, the finances, the growth, the hard things gives people at least um, substance to make better de decisions. Um, and I wanted to give an example how I ran my studio previously at Vodou. I was quite uh, open about uh, the run rate we had as a studio. And so no surprises. We have this uh, number of months. It's not to scare people. It's just the reality of business. We are paid to for a job. At the end of the day, we are under a contract. And of course, there's an expected return. And I want everyone to understand this in the team. It's not that we have to think and worry about it every day, but that make, helps us to make... Uh, smarter decision and not distract ourselves with, oh, it's going to be fine. We are secured all the time. No, you have to think how you want to spend the money and your budget and uh, make better de decisions at all the levels. 
That's really, really good. And, I, and I've worked with agencies as well. Some have tried to keep everything undercover, also software companies too, and some that have transparent. For example, educating a, um, a designer what they are worth in the markets. If they work on a project and then they go and work for another company, what, you know, what are they worth? What's their hourly rate? Where does that money go to? Where are the cost spaces? How well is the company doing when they're working on those projects? If you empower the individual employee that they're aware of that, they're more likely to, you know, sort of be motivated and get on and like think, Oh, I'm actually making a difference. I'm not yes. just getting pawned out to another, another business. And then, yeah, same for people who work in a team. Like if they know where they stand. Um, they're, they're more likely to contribute. One, one thing I worked with an absolutely brilliant boss in, in my early days, Carol, and, um, she always said to me, I trust you, you know, and those, those three words, I trust you. <laughs> it's just it really like, it was like, wow, you know, like I've got this responsibility and I'm going to do a good job because she said, I trust you. Um, you know, so yeah, really, really interesting topic. Let, let's move on to mobile marketing and, and especially in the promotion of games in particular. Um, I've got an opinion about it. I think it can be a little bit of a cowboy space sometime. Um, do you, do you think that the advertising and the promotion of games is getting better? Do you think the quality of advertising is increasing? So I will come from uh, more of the whole history I've known also about uh, games and how we acquired. Um, when I started like 13 years ago, it was acquisition through um, uh, uh, carrier, um, you know, like subscriptions, uh, mobile subscription. And then you had the phones, uh, sorry, the games embedded directly in the phone. So that was a way of acquisition. So diff very different time and something that uh, has completely revolutionized uh, the marketing of games is the free-to-play model. So when you have a free game, how do you market and how do you market profitably? So the trend that has been uh, maturing over the past years was really performance marketing, paid marketing. I mean, these days, uh, like the best companies rarely rely on just organic traffic or, uh, you know, hope that they, thanks to organic traffic, they will... Uh, create their uh, business and revenues. So what it means when it's been very around uh, performance marketing, we've seen different uh, trends of it where you have a more mature games, what I call casual mid-core games, where it's high value players and they are high value, uh, you know, cost uh, when it comes to acquisition and they have specific targeting. So it's all calculation of return on ad spend and it's part of a strategy. So you have a team of uh, data scientists, uh, UA manager, uh, performance marketing, uh, also creatives, uh, product marketing all together to um, optimize their OS. And then you have a different model where I was working at Voodoo that it was very, very interesting in this uh, strategy of marketing acquisition, very, very low cost of acquisition, very broad. But because the games are quick to play, then you uh, build the return, not only in a purchase, but on ad views. At, uh, so inside the game. So within a week, if your cost of acquisition was low, then just by watching ads playing, I don't know, 10, 20 times the game the first week, you are paying back basically uh, as a as a player for the cost. 
So that has been the trend over the past years. And something that changed dramatically um, is uh, yeah, the privacy of data and not being able to target, as we have all known. And that, I think, has changed for quite the landscape of how we approach the acquisition uh, for high value players and high LTV games. And uh, I don't know uh, what that means. I'm part of this change, but I think there's been maybe, I think it's a good thing where maybe there's been an imbalance too much in performance marketing, where it's like a money game. You know, if you have a lot of cash, of course you need to have a great product, but if you have a lot of cash and you can um, with confidence think that you can pay it back after several years, then that's, that's how you buy market share quickly, right? So the companies that really stay in the top charts are the ones with a lot of cash flow. And now we have some more conversation. I would say, okay, maybe we have overlooked other type of form of marketing that are brand marketing, product marketing, or even like there's more consolidation between organization uh, for cross-platform, uh, mobile, console, online gaming, metaverse, or like a new Eldorado is the web free as well. Complete, you know, blank slate. How do we even acquire there? So to answer uh, the question about <laughs> The marketing of games, it's been, it's been wild because I think we are, uh, every three years, three to five, we are rewriting the playbook on how to acquire players. And that also creates new functions or, uh, you know, the usual marketers have to, um, uh, update their skills to adapt to, you know, the market. So I, I find it super interesting, actually. It does. It de- yeah. Yeah. It, de- it definitely a lot of reshuffling going on. It definitely does, does change a lot. I feel like it's matured greatly. I still think there's a way to go. Um, the, the overall quality, I think has improved. I think data has had a big effect on it as well. There's one example as well that I just read today that Reddit has brought, has acquired a company called Spike Trap. And Spike Trap uses contextualization technology to show the right ad in terms of the context of what's going on at that particular time within the app and relying less and less on user data. I think, mm. I think Facebook took it to the next level. I think Meta took it w- way too far in terms of how much they could know about a, an individual user. I think Google as well, right? So mm. that we can move away from that a bit more and start thinking about other ways to market to people is, is, is really good. Yeah. Um, less, less reliance on data. Um, what are your thoughts on then? the creative play for um for gaming advertisers where do you think creative is heading yeah so it's been also um quite a controversial uh topic about creatives because i don't know how much you've seen in games uh it's been also sometimes you could see uh creatives quite far from the original concept of a game and um i mean we have tried some of this as well at voodoo and the win is only in the acquisition, but in the long run, people, of course, see the discrepancy of what, you know, they were presented and get into the game. So I would, I, I don't know if it's the most effective strategy in the long run, because it's like having a huge net and then you just catch few fish, but uh, it's like putting a lot of effort, you know, in, in trying in different tactics, just it's not, it's not to fool players, but you know, like maybe by accident, we will grab players. So that has been a strategy that has been going on for some time. And now they are really, I think, a bit of a rejection of this model because it's not very sustainable in the long run. And back to 
what I find interesting when it comes to thinking about opportunities in brand marketing and product marketing, it's do you understand the vision of the game you're building? What is the experience you're building for who? So understanding your audience. Um, why these games resonate with your audience? What is the experience that they have, the emotions that they feel? And it's a, as a result, if product and marketing are working really closely to understand really deeply the product they're building, I think this is where you can be very creative with a marketing message to capture the essence of what you're building. So it can be still seen as a misleading ad where it's not representing exactly the product. But I think there's opportunity when if you get the key message, and I see this more in the consumer product uh, marketing where you may not see the product at all in the advertisement, but the idea or the, you know, the, the concept brought by the advertising message makes sense with the product. I think this is where the psychological connection that maybe we haven't explored uh, too much yet uh, in games because we were so much on the data. I think it's interesting and it will get closer to what we see, you know, more in consumer product, like getting really the key message and maybe crafting this uh, key message or emotion to different sub audiences you have once you understand really the type of product you build and uh, the potential reach of audience you can have. And an example I want to give is, um, for example, I think TikTok is an interesting platform where in this short video, uh, you can play a lot with humor, for example, if you really understand the product and, and take an angle. And I, I, I find it great when uh, marketing and product work together to come up with concepts that really get the uh, essence of the game you're building. Yeah, fantastic. That's really great advice. Brilliant. So, yeah, nearly time to to wrap up. Um, Sophie, you, I've noticed, you, you mentioned this before, and I've seen on your LinkedIn profile, you invest uh, in quite some companies. Um, just to wrap up today, what, what's, what do you look for in a company when you think, oh yeah, I'm going to invest in them. There's something in there. What, what's the thing that really you look for in a company? So I, I first look at it on a, from a meta, very meta level. So where do I see games, uh, going, you know, in general? So, uh, of course, there's a the traditional market of the games we've, I've also been doing like mobile games, casual, like the more mature businesses, but the new businesses like metaverse, for example, of, there's a whole crypto, which I, I decided to stay away for a, a while. <laughs> but, um, as well, I look at what are kind of game concepts and audience where there are gaps. So I invested, for example, in a company that makes a lifestyle product game where uh, aiming for a female audience, 35 year old, that is almost like a, a lifestyle app. And I believe there's still many opportunities to explore there. So I look more at on the meta level, what is the industry missing? And I believe that there should be more of uh, this type of products or, or, or genre of games. And then the second most important factor is the team, the founders. So I like to look uh, um, in the deck, the why. And when I don't see it, I'm a bit, um, let's say, cautious because again, they are building the whole company around a game. And if this game is not working uh, for them, which is likely to happen, what does that mean? So I, I want to invest in a long lasting uh, team, you know? So are they committed to pivot, to change and uh, persevere in the mission? no matter what the game is, instead of just this is this game. And if this game is not working, we don't exist anymore. Yeah. So so I look at teams and they track record and how much they 
put thoughts into why, again, they build this company. Brilliant. That's fantastic. It reminds me a little bit of Slack, right? Because Slack originally started out as a game and mm -hmm. uh, they were a gaming company and then they built this little tool to communicate with each other and the game didn't do very well, but they were like, hey, this thing we've built, it's really, really good. And Slack is now like obviously yeah, absolutely crazy. enormous success. So if you have a good team, they went to try and build a game, but maybe they could build something else. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Sophie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Some really good advice there also you've given me some really good ideas as well so i hope there's some leaders out there that are going to listen and uh, also some mobile marketeers sophie thank you so much thanks for inviting me justin pleasure thank you bye for tuning in and making the choice to listen to this podcast if you liked what you've heard today please don't forget to subscribe future buzz is sponsored by shopala Shoppable ads and express checkouts for e-commerce. Future Fuzz, your guide to digital marketing.